We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Aitlin is intercepted by Sam Mills. Steve Smith is going to go all the way. Panthers win in overtime. Newton steps up, goes for the end zone. Olsen, touchdown! Brian Burns to the house! And it is caught for the touchdown by Moore. And in the foot race, McCaffrey to the end zone. Keep pounding on three! One, two, three! Keep pounding! Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of The Roar, brought to you by Blue Wire. I am your host, Billy Marshall, and as always, joined by my co-host, John Ellis. And John, I know you're coming off a very interesting day. You had a great interview with Greg Cosell, then you broke the news that Carolina is going to face the Cleveland Browns in week one, and you've been doing the media rounds for that. I see your name popping up on different publications. I mean, you must be on top of the world right now. Oh, stop it. No, no, no. It's a, it's a labor of love, Billy. It's been a fun day. Uh, I think the highlight was talking to Greg Cosell. I mean, that was a great conversation. He was asking about you, Billy, and uh, he's looking forward to jumping back on with both of us so we can do a deep dive closer to the season. But uh, indeed, I had a bit of a source come to me last night about this potential Cleveland-Carolina matchup. All the buzz had been San Francisco. And I just kind of looked at it and said, okay, well, who else can I reach out to and maybe confirm this? And then I got a tip that it would be Cleveland pretty unequivocally. So I reached out to a few other people today to kind of get a sense of where they were on that and uh, felt comfortable enough to put it out there. And I, I tell people all the time, Billy, it's just, I, I don't play the Schefter game because I don't have to. Uh, when it's something I'm confident in, I put it out there because I think people deserve to see it. So yeah, it was a fun day. No doubt. Yeah, for sure. So we'll be going over the schedule here, kind of uh, picking up on some interesting uh, kind of landmarks within their schedule as far as, you know, how they open the season and what their tough stretch is. Uh, we'll also be going over a few of the rumors that have percolated uh, the Internet, not only today, uh, there's a big one today, and mm-hmm. but there's been some other reports as well. And then finally, John and I will do just a quick uh, breakdown of how the roster stands heading into minicamp. And what uh, we didn't get to talk about this um, after you know the post-draft, but what areas of uh, need do you still think Carolina needs to address before training camp? But first, John, uh, you know, the topic of the day is a schedule release. I'm seeing all the teams with their social media accounts creating these clever videos. Looks like the Panthers uh, created one themselves. Uh, 
I mean, you broke it. Cleveland Browns week one uh, at New York Giants week two, uh, hosting the Saints, hosting the Cardinals, hosting the 49ers. Four out of their first five games at home. Uh, the Cardinals in the 49ers game, they don't get the benefit of starting early because those two teams are East Coast, yeah. or excuse me, West Coast. So those will be late kickoffs, four at 4 p.m. kickoffs yeah. uh, for the Panthers. And uh, I mean, it's interesting. I, I don't, I can't remember the last time they did a 4 p.m. kickoff, um, you know, when they're playing here at Bank of America Stadium. Right, um, right. But give me your thoughts on, I mean, th- this is shipping up to be a pretty good. I know the opponents are tough, but a pretty good slate to open up the year. It really gives them an opportunity to start fast. Yeah, I think it's a little bit like last year. I think we knew when that schedule came out that you've got Zach Wilson, a rookie, rookie coach with Robert Salah. So there's a chance you can win that one. And they did. Uh, Obviously, with what happened with the Saints, they had half their staff out and that was a big plus for Carolina and they were able to take advantage. Uh, And Jameis, of course, you know, there's a wild card there. So Looking back at last year, Houston, that was a winnable game. And then as you so eloquently mentioned on the, the fourth episode of last season, it's like, let's pump the brakes. Uh, you know, there were some deficiencies in that game, and certainly they went on a skid. So good call on your part. I You look at it, just start right with Cleveland. It's a 1 p.m. kickoff. Those are always great. Cleveland right now by some lines are a four and a half point favorite. But listen, to be determined, because we all know what's happening with Deshaun Watson. I don't get the sense that there's going to be anything imminent right now in terms of suspension, just based on the timeline with his cases. But as you well know, Roger Goodell has complete authority. And if he sees fit, I doubt he would do this, but he could come in right away and give him the suspension early. I think his camp would sort of prefer that based on how they structure the contract, if there's going to be one. But uh, that's all legal mumbo-jumbo. I'm not going to get into that. If Deshaun is playing... And I'm going to just assume that he is. It's a tough test. It's a good team. I mean, we've seen Cleveland over the past couple of years feature power running, you know, sort of the wide zone scheme, but also doing some power stuff. They've got a great offensive line. Uh, they have what I believe to be a pretty good young head coach in Kevin Stefanski, probably the best offensive line coach in the league in Bill Callahan. And they've got some pieces on defense. So, I mean, if you look at the roster, you look at the matchup there. There are some things there in terms of what you're facing that are challenging. Uh, you got you know, JOK, the, the number 28, the hybrid guy who's just amazing. Uh, the defensive line, you got Miles Garrett, some question marks. You know, Weatherly's kind of the other edge right now. Great corners, pretty good safeties. But again, the story with them is their, their quarterback, Deshaun Watson. Uh, the running backs, uh, obviously with Hunt and uh, Chubb. They got Amari Cooper. And they've got Njoku, and they've got a great offensive line. So I'm more concerned looking at this game for Phil Snow's defense. Early on last season, they were able to play that, you know, tight front and get experimental and get funky. And and this reminds me a lot, Billy, of the last two times Washington came to town and just muscled their way to a win. I think they've got to be aware of that. Charles Robinson of the Yahoo Sports, who's very close to the situation, uh, does a great job reporting on the league as a whole, and he's been following the Deshaun Watson uh, stuff for years. I mean, he's based in Houston. Right. Uh, but, but he says that, um, and he wrote this back in March during the league meetings, he says, according to a source familiar with the league's process under the new CBA. Remember, this CBA was ratified, I believe, in 2020. Gotcha. So, the decision 
as far as suspending Watson is expected to be placed in the hands of former U.S. District Court Judge Sue Robinson, who has been chosen by the NFL and NFL Players Association to act as an impartial arbitrator in disciplinary cases like Watson. Goodell briefly referenced a policy change Tuesday while he was discussing uh, Watson's probe. So this is an article from, you know, back late March, I believe. Yeah, March 29, 2022. So check it out uh, if you're interested. So and just to further um, take things a little further, I, I do think it bears worth mentioning. I think Albert Breer also mentioned this past week that the civil trial doesn't it's getting postponed so there could even be a potential scenario where watson isn't suspended at all in 2022 and he, it, that could carry into 2023 uh again i don't know the specifics of that uh but my interpretation just of the line it, it seems like you know cleveland last year they were able to win a few games with case keenum at, as their backup uh, they signed Jacoby Brissett. Uh, I think he's a capable backup quarterback. Uh, I mean, I don't think he's better than Keenum. Uh, but regardless, I, I think your overall point remains that Cleveland's a very talented team. Um, I was listening to a podcast, or excuse me, a Spaces uh, with these Browns fans earlier, and, uh, and that's a it's a very passionate fan base. I, I oh, expect them to travel. Uh, and, you you think the Steelers games are bad, and they are. Uh, I've been I've been eyeballing this matchup for a long time, and the fact that it's Week One. With all the excitement, I can tell you who else is going to be there too. Clemson fans, lots of yep. them. Uh, so I, I would suspect, given the lack of general enthusiasm for the Panthers fan base right now, and that's not my fault, it's not your fault, it's just a fact, uh, it's going to be a pretty tilted crowd. Okay, let's uh, move on now. Um, last year, they didn't really have much success against the Giants. It's uh, a new coaching staff. Uh, new regime, Daniel Jones is still their quarterback. So, I mean, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how that goes. It should be a game Carolina, uh, you know, does well in, but they were supposed to do well in it last year and they got completely embarrassed. Um, again, same situation. Uh, week three, hosting the Saints, uh, new head coach for them, Dennis Allen. I think they've done a tremendous job of upgrading their roster this offseason. Uh, now, some people might question the picks they gave up to get a Olave and Penning. Uh, but I think those two guys are upgrades in their roster. And we can discuss that at length later in the offseason. But uh, I definitely think the Saints have gotten better. It just depends on the health of Jameis. And uh, it, we'll see how that goes. But I think the two key matchups here are week four and week five. Uh, not only under this regime, Ron Rivera, too. There's just something about Cliff Kingsbury and the Carolina Panthers. He just can't get over the hump. Right. Uh, and Kyler Murray, too, for that matter. So, I was joking with our friend Blake Murphy and I was like, is this finally going to be the year that the Cardinals can beat the Panthers? Because I mean, there's been worse teams. I mean, Kyle Allen went into Arizona and whooped them. Yep. So, I, I mean, is this finally the year the voodoo runs out for the Panthers when it comes to Kingsbury and Kyler? You know, it's, it's funny. We, we've talked about this matchup for a long time. I mean, even back to the Ron Rivera days, I mean, like, Arizona has not had a lot of success against Carolina, no matter who the coach is, even Arians. I mean, in 2013, I remember the, the whooping he put on Ron Rivera, where they almost cost Ron his job. Um, since that point, 2014 playoffs, Carolina wins. 2015 playoffs, Carolina wins in the title game. Even 2016, they, they kicked their ass. Yeah, they had like 10 where, sacks that game. Yeah, and that was crazy. Uh, I'm thinking maybe 2019 was the next time Kyle Allen goes in there and dices them up. 2020, 
Uh, Kyler, I, I believe, was, was that the game he threw like 101 yards, but he had three touchdowns? Uh, like 30 attempts, though. So he threw yeah. for like 3.1 yards or something. Oh, I mean, to me, I, I'm looking at this from this perspective, too. You're, you're not going to be facing Hop. No Hopkins. He's suspended. Oh, wow. Good call. I forgot about that. That's a major deal. Yeah, Billy, this is one of the storylines I was following here with this schedule. When I caught wind of this slate earlier, and just to be honest with you, I, I had the entire schedule in my hand, and I had to sort of do some construction on it about four hours ago. But when I saw week four, that was like, okay, because Hopkins being hurt or out in the past was a big part of their success because Hop was limited 2020. Uh, look, I, I think it's a really good opportunity here in this first, what I call quarter of the season to make a mark. And then you said the giants, there's no guarantees. You can't sit here and say, Oh, there's a win. Cause the last year they got stopped <laughs> by a worse coach and a worse roster and a worse GM. We know that uh, saints, who knows what's going on there, but Cardinals, I think it's interesting because there is a history with Matt rule and cliff and they seem to have, you know, Phil Snope seems to have a little bit of their number there. And uh, now you got Ben McAdoo on the offensive side. They've got a good roster. They've got good, talented players. They've got a lot of good receivers, uh, but one of them's going to be out. And who knows? I, Kyler looks like he's going to be there and just be fine, but injuries popped up. Kyler didn't play Carolina last year. Watt didn't play. J.J. Watt didn't play either. Yeah, and you talk about statement wins. Uh, people say, well, there's a statement win. No, 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 not really. No, Carolina won that game. They needed Cam Newton to come out of retirement to do it, and they were missing a lot of guys in Arizona. I want to see this team. I mean, P.J. Walker did not have a good game. No, he didn't. So we're going to talk about some games here in a minute as you go down the schedule that I call statement games. These are games that teams like Carolina's 2013 team, 2003, uh, 2017, 2015, they were able to go on the road or at home and beat top-tier teams, and that's really important when you're building a culture. And Steve Wilkes revenge game too. Ah, oh, yes, baby. I didn't think about the Wilkes revenge <laughs> act. Yeah, it's going to be great. I'll hulk him too. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, and obviously there's a lot of connections with the uh, Browns and giants too. Uh, well, not necessarily the Giants anymore because of Gettleman and now uh, obviously James Bradbury got cut. Uh, so oh, Shane. Oh, Shane's yeah. there running. He's, he's been around here. Oh yeah. Joe Shane. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but but anyway, you look at that schedule though. I mean, weeks five, six, seven. I mean, that's that's as tough of a gauntlet as you're going to see. Yeah, that's you it. You have the defending, you know, two the two teams that were in the NFC title game, and then you have a divisional opponent, the Bucks, who have just owned Carolina since Brady went there. Mm-hmm. So, and John, this is the biggest thing with Matt Rule. We always say it. I, I actually, you know, a lot of people are going to get a little shocked, but I do trust him the first month of the season because he does seem to have his players prepared and they look really good the first month to month and a half of the year. Why aren't they, why isn't that being uh, consistent throughout the entire season? And that's the biggest issue. And if they can kind of find their way through this three game, I mean, it's even four game stretch because the Cardinals are a playoff team too. Uh, I mean, weeks four, five, six, and seven. I mean, three of these are at home. Cardinals, 49ers at L.A., which will not be easy, and Tampa Bay. But I have seen uh, – I mean, there has been a tendency of the Rams under Sean McVay. They have lost some inexplicable games at home. Uh, you talk about two years ago when the Jets, they had Trevor Lawrence in their sights and they went to L.A. and yeah. with Sam Darnold and beat them. Uh, so I – Again, I think the Rams will probably be favored by double digits. Yeah. Um, But 
I mean, this is big for Matt Rule. He can't, you can't, if he wants to keep his job, and again, we're going to get to some of these rumors, he has to be able to be more consistent. You can't, this, the NFL is a essentially a four month season, it's not a one month season. Yeah. No doubt about it. And, you know, the Rams, we talked about that. You know, Tennessee was a very good team last year, but a little bit snake bitten with injuries. And they went into L.A. and they put the whooping on them. It's not unprecedented. It, it really is. I just look at that game and I say, you know what, if, if both teams are at full strength, uh, it's not one I think they'll steal, but you just never know. And then to that point, if you look at last year, I keep coming back to trends, okay? And I, I give you a lot of credit for this all the time, but I'm not even blowing smoke. This is how 2021 went down. You had an early stretch where you knew you could get a few, and they did. And then Dallas, to me, what was a big moment for them in terms of, okay, going on the road, top tier, 12-win team, can you fight till the end? They did, but they had a horrible third quarter. And you could see there, and I think in the Houston game, too, you pointed out, there were some cracks in the armor there. With McCaffrey going down, obviously Horn was out. It was going to be really tough to sustain. But that middle stretch last year was where they could make some hay and, and get themselves positioned for a tough run in December. When they couldn't beat the Eagles, when they couldn't beat the Vikings at home, back-to-back, and they had those games, Billy. They had them. And then the there comes out of the, the whole thing in New York where they get beat by 22 to the Giants. And then they, you know, the Joe Judge Giants, the Joe Judge Giants, they beat Atlanta, which they always do on the road, it seems. So good for them on that. But that was a pretty bad Atlanta team. And then the Patriots curb stop them at home. They're playing good. And then they go to Cardinals. They win. And that's where the confidence factors in Newton's back. But that last stretch of the schedule was always going to be brutal with the Dolphins on the road, with the Bills on the road, with the Buccaneers, with the Saints and Bucks. And they did not take advantage of the portion of the schedule. And I know all games are tough, but that was the best opportunity for them. And they blew those games. And that's what put them in a bind. And this is sort of a reverse situation. Yeah. Way that this After the bye week, it's pretty soft. Yeah. But right here, this stretch you're talking about where you've got, uh, gosh, you know, San Francisco. And you've got the Rams. And then you've got Tampa. Those are the three standard bearers in this conference, Billy. They really are. So, I mean, until further notice... Who knows what's going to happen? Now, you might be facing a rookie in Trey Lance. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's not. Maybe you're facing Jimmy G again. I mean, technically, he's a second-year quarterback. Yeah, well, yeah, second year. You're right. Maybe Jimmy G is facing the 49ers. Maybe he's here. We just don't know. But I think if I'm looking at that schedule, man, and you've got you have a couple of wins early on, that's the, that's the defining moment right there in your season. That's it. Week five through seven. And yeah. if, you, if, you, if you get wiped off the map and you're not even close there, that's concerning. If you can compete and fight to the bell, good. If you can steal one, you need to start doing that. It's year three. They've got some talent on the roster. I get they don't have a quarterback, but it's it's time to start stealing a couple of these games. Fox did it. Seifert did it. Capers did it. Ron did it. Before year three, it's time. After that, Halloween seems like they've all they're always playing the Falcons on how near Halloween weekend. Yeah. Remember that Thursday night game a couple of years ago. Seeing ghosts in 2020 uh, was Halloween, so it's a Falcon in Atlanta on Halloween. Yeah. Uh, then a trip to Cincinnati to face the Bengals, mm-hmm. and then another trip Thursday night. Their only primetime game of the year. Uh, they host the Falcons on Thursday night 
November 10th. Yeah. Um, okay, so the two Falcons games are obviously, uh, I mean, the Falcons aren't a very good team. Um, I mean, at worst, they should win at least one of them. But, I mean, the expectation for this team and where they stand is, that I mean, these are two games that you have to win if you want to be considered uh, yeah, if if you want to consider your season and your program to be progressing in a positive direction, you have to beat yep. Atlanta twice. Um, but you know, after those Atlanta games at Cincinnati, you have a stretch of these three AFC teams who I consider to be one. Of, I mean, the three of the better AFC teams, and two of them are on the road at Cincinnati, at Baltimore, home to Denver. That's a brutal um, stretch. Yeah, and I mean, none of these are crazy trips. Like it's a pretty short flight to Baltimore and Cincinnati. Right. Um, so no crazy travel. It's just those teams, those two teams have very good quarterbacks and very <laughs> good rosters. And then week 12 hosting the Broncos. I think the last time Denver came here was the drew lock game in 2020 when him and Teddy Bridgewater were doling it out. Yeah. Um, so that's going to be an interesting game. I'm curious why they're – oh, okay, because the AFC West and the last place team. Okay, sorry. I was curious why they're facing Broncos so <laughs> recent after uh, they just played them. Uh, but, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, Russell Wilson, uh, it's – I mean, he's no stranger to Bank of America Stadium. Plenty of uh, matchups with the Seahawks over the years, and he's won probably more than uh, – he's lost in that stadium. So that's going to be another very tough matchup because the Broncos should be a contender in the AFC. And then you have the bye week but John, talk to me about those three AFC teams that you see here in November. Well, I mean, let's start with Cincinnati. I mean, this is a team that obviously we saw do some pretty amazing things despite some inefficiencies in terms of pass protection. And we know that story here. Uh, Joe Burrow is a highly effective quarterback when it comes to situational plays in the crunch. He can get out of a mess and make things uh, better. He can extend plays. He's got a decent arm. Not great. Decent. He's got Jamar Chase, which really helps, as we know. And if you look at their like their depth chart right now, I mean, look, the defensive front four is very underrated. Hendrickson, Hill, Reeder. Hubbard. Uh, they've got some pretty good pieces in the secondary, a little weak at the linebacker position. And the offensive line has improved. They've added some guys. Kappa, they've got Karras at center. Uh, Williams left tackle. Collins out there at right tackle. Uh, Mixon is a great runner. He's great out of the backfield. And when you got Chase, Higgins, and Boyd, uh, get those corners ready, Billy. I mean, it's going to be tough. It, this is not an easy game. Cincinnati was a team last year that... Uh, polished off Kansas City twice. So, I mean, there's your standard right there. That's what you're playing up to. Um, I think that's a that's an incredibly difficult game in what's going to be an even more enhanced environment than it was last year uh, with a Bengals team that was sort of, you know, up and coming. And now they're going to have a fan base there in that stadium that's just going to be off the chain. I, the, the Bengals uh, are fascinating, but also the Ravens. Here's why, Billy. I, I saw them at camp when they did the dual practices there. Oh, yeah, last year. Yeah, and they were completely out of running backs and completely out of corners. You knew that story. I mean, they lost everybody. Peters, all of them. They were down, they were down to their practice squad guys signing guys off the street. So that, you know, that week 10 game against Atlanta, yeah, I can see them winning it on Thursday night. Again, you're going from Bengals on a short week back to home to play the Falcons on Thursday night. Not a huge deal to me. Then you get an extended week 
10 days to go back on the road to Baltimore, a tough place to play. Very and tough. I do not see them having a lot of success in that game. <laughs> no I think I'm very bullish on the Ravens this year, Billy. I think John Harbaugh rebounds is better, as good as anybody in this league from, a, from an off year. An off year for them is nine wins. So they got better. Their roster has improved uh, just by default from getting healthier. Lamar is grinding for a new contract. He's going to be incentivized to play well. And I think what Greg Roman's going to do is just the same thing that Callahan did to us a couple years ago. Same thing that uh, Turner and Matsko did. Bully ball, 12-13 personnel, play action off it. And I'm, I'm skeptical that this defense can sustain their top five ranking when they're playing these type of teams. Hold that. I mean, hold that thought because I do want to get to some of the outstanding issues, especially on the defensive side of the ball uh, before we end this podcast. But by week, week 13, uh, it seems like Matt rule prefers a late buy. It um, hasn't worked the first two times. So oh, it sucks. I, I don't understand why they do keep, I, I personally, I prefer early buys. I know Ron Rivera did too. Um, but hey, I mean, if that's what he wants to do, maybe it can. It's a terrible bye week, and it's, I mean, I don't know what the league's doing here, but your bye week is. I think it, it's December fourth. Reference. Well, that I mean, I guess I Dave, hey, whatever. He's the coach. I, I just think you could serve yourself better by having a a nice break around week eight or nine. But hey, not my not my billions. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, so at Seattle, home to Pittsburgh, home to Detroit at Tampa, at New Orleans. Uh, I mean, people are going to look at those last two road games and think of it as daunting. And again, we don't know what the Saints are going to look like. And certainly playing at Tampa is never easy. Um, But you're, I mean, do they even have a, are they even playing like in cold weather like this year? Like at Seattle, maybe, but it's the weather there is weird because they're, they're not traveling very far. They're like, I think one of the lowest mileage teams this year. Yeah. I guess the coldest game is at Baltimore. And I, I mean, I I live in the DC area. It does not get, it does not get that cold in November 20th. It it can be, but especially for a 1 PM kickoff, it that'll help. I'll say this, that it's not going to be the Buffalo game as last year. No, no. I, I I think the weather did have a factor there, but I, I also think Buffalo was an exceptionally better team than Carolina at that point doesn't help to go on the road and freeze your ass off when you're not used to it uh look here's as you you laid it out here you you talked about Denver that's week 12 uh Russell Wilson now Jerry Judy got arrested today I don't know what's going on next with that but we'll leave that to the courts but uh (laughs) week 14 you have to the bye week you you face Denver I'm not slating that as a win for Carolina I'm not I, I think Denver wins that game they they beat us with Drew Locke a couple years ago uh, at home, uh, December 11th, you'd mentioned going to Seattle. That's never an easy place to play, Billy. Even when they've got, like you said, Drew Locke or Geno Smith, crowd is always out of their minds. Well, 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 why don't you talk to me about the history in Seattle uh, pre Russell Wilson, like the Mike Holmgren era? Yeah, well, let's go back a minute. So, Carolina played in Seattle, I think, for the first time in 2004, and they got mopped. I mean, it was, I remember Kerry Colbert caught an amazing pass, but it was, you know, Hasselbeck was throwing dimes. 2005, NFC title game. And Panthers oh God, got a running back. Yeah. And it was, it was a massacre. And Jake Dillon threw, I think, three interceptions. It was, it was always going to be a downhill battle there. But they just ran out of gas. But that, that, that environment. Uh, when else did they go there? I want to say 20... To look back, I know Carolina stole one against Seattle at home in 2007 with Matt Moore, but no, it's never been an easy place to play. Never. 
Never. And, they, you know, Cam, I think the one time they did is when they had to go, what, 80 yards at the end to beat them uh, in 2015. But, no, my memory of, uh, of whatever it's called now is Questfield for a long time. Uh, it's loud no matter what their record is under Holmgren, under Pete, under Jim Moore, whoever's the coach. It's not a fun place to play. It's a long trip. And, uh, hey, look, I, I can't give them an automatic win here because Seattle is still led by a coach who's done it for a long time. And, again, they want to – these are a lot of teams that are run heavy on this schedule. They want to line up in, in heavy personnel and challenge you. And uh, I'm not sure Carolina is quite there yet with that. We'll see. I mean, I want to yeah. think they are. Carolina's pass defense, man, they got great corners. They've got fast pass rushers. Uh, got to set the edge. You got to set the tone of the defensive run game. So the following week, Pittsburgh, um, they're going to have quite you know, a large contingent, but uh, oh, given their quarterback situation, I'm not going to say that this is one of the more difficult Steelers games. Certainly you should respect them as an opponent, uh, but if you're at home and, and you're in your three of your uh, program, you should be beating the Steelers at home. If it, no you matter should. if it's Kenny Pickett or Mitch Trubisky, you should be. Um, You're right. You should. The same thing with the with the Lions. Uh, again, we know Dan Campbell is going to want to run the football, uh, and Jared Goff play action game. So, I mean, again, that's a team that they were picking number two in the draft for a reason. But their their program, on the other hand, they they have some upward trajectory and. Um, a lot of members of that staff, uh, Aaron Glenn, Dan Campbell, they worked for Sean Payton. So they have familiarity yeah. with, uh, you know, traveling to Carolina and playing this mm-hmm. organization. And then finally, uh, two division games to cap it off, both on the road. Uh, again, certainly not easy, but uh, at Tampa, at New Orleans, uh, should be interesting. But any final thoughts on the schedule, John? No, I think it's just a, a dynamic storyline. I Again, when, when I caught wind of the, the Cleveland possibility week one, I was hoping it would be the case because I think, you know, this team needs to be challenged early on, not just from a, a storyline perspective. They can, they're pros. They can handle that. But just to, this is a physical bully of a team. They've got they're, – they're a big team. They're big everywhere especially on the O-line up front defensively with Garrett and those guys. Uh, They've got some dogs, Denzel Ward. It's a well-coached team, maybe not situationally at times. I don't like what they did at the end of the year with Baker forcing the pass, but I do love the fact that uh, what they do is running with a purpose to set up play action. I think Deshaun's going to thrive there, no matter what we think of the guy personally. It's a great fit if he stays on the field. And I think to that point, uh, Carolina needs some of that early in the season. They had cupcakes early last year, not their fault. Uh, These aren't necessarily cupcakes here. New York, I mean, look, there's harder teams to face there. Uh, We've talked about that stretch. Again, I think the key here is just this schedule presents them an opportunity to establish themselves a little bit. I don't want to get too corny here, but that's part of building what they're trying to build. Is saying, yep. you know what? So far, they you, what's a statement win for Carolina? Washington? No. No, not at all. Arizona last year? Okay, maybe. Uh, look, they've got to be able to show they can close the gap with Tampa. That's key. They are nowhere close to competing with the Buccaneers right now. They haven't even been sniffed it. So get closer. Close the gap. I don't know what to make of everything else going on uh, with Matt Rule, but I know if he wants to be in this job, maybe past this year, uh, I would imagine that winning a couple games against teams with good records, with good track records, 
would give the fans some comfort. It would give me some comfort. Absolutely. And I totally, I, I totally agree with you. It's got to stop. This ain't the big 12 time to start competing in the NFL. It's the third year. Shouldn't take this long, but here we are. Yeah, I agree. So switching gears now, um, you mentioned a couple times uh, the Bill Callahan influence with Cleveland and uh, especially Washington last year, as we saw Scott Turner just exposing them on the ground and yeah. uh, Carolina's inability to play run defense. Um, you know, as we look forward to, you know, with this roster as it's currently constructed, we, we can't deny the fact that they have holes. And obviously quarterback is um, whatever you want to make it. So we're going to ignore, ignore that because we've been, you've been discussing that at nauseum for yeah. months now, a pretty big sizable hole that they didn't really address in the draft is edge rusher. Now I, I like Barno quite a bit, but I think he's not ready to be a three down edge rusher at this point. He right. just doesn't have the size. He's more of a rotational uh, pass rusher. There are some guys, some interesting guys in the market, guys who have local ties, Melvin Ingram to Davion Clowney, Trey flowers is an interesting name. This is an area that Scott Fitter said in the offseason that he wants bigger edge rushers to help their run defense. They have not done anything to replace Hassan Reddick. And then again, I was fine letting Reddick go because your intent was to improve you know, the edge rusher with bigger guys. It seems like there's some contract talks going on now between the team and Burns. And I do actually trust the organization to get that done. So I'm not worried about that. Yeah. Uh, but the opposite side edge rusher, is it, is it going to be Marquise Haynes? You turn gross Matos. That's an area that I, I would consider to be a little concerning and an area that needs to be addressed some way or the, or the other. It needs to be. I mean, we, we can sit here all day and, and, Wax poetic about, oh, man, they're fast, they're athletic. The secondary, I think, is in a really good spot right now if they stay healthy. Greg Cosell was talking about this uh, on the episode prior to this one where we had uh, talked about the length. He was, he was raving about Keith Taylor. He's raving about uh, Chris, Chris Westry, who they added, 6'4". They, they've got length. Uh, we know that. And they've got a lot of talent. C.J. Henderson, the wild card. Let's see if he's ready to step up and really take it to the next level. But the front seven... Look, we saw it last year. Brian has got the toolbox to get after it, but he was very much at the, at the benefit of having Hassan Reddick on the other side and some good play for Morgan Fox at three technique. That did alleviate some of the double teams. And now you don't have Reddick, and now you don't have Fox. Now you've got these other additions they've brought in. Uh, Matt Ioannidis, who, who has showed some good tape. Frankie LeVu, look, I like him a lot. I like him a lot, but it's a bigger sample size now if he's going to play full-time. And I would imagine that's going to reduce his production somewhat, but maybe not. Maybe he's a diamond in the rough and he just has a Pro Bowl type of year. But in terms of beefing it up, yeah. I mean, I would look at what's out there and say, you know what, your, your interior defensive line, you know, between Ioannidis, between Derek Brown, uh, Davian Nixon, who will probably be more of a player this year for them, um, and then on the ends, you got Daryl Johnson, who's huge, but doesn't play a lot. Austin Larkin's still lurking around. He's a big edge setter, but these are not elite names. I mean, these are not guys. Yuturgos Matos, he, he's becoming to me sort of like an FAO bought a Swiss Army knife. They've got him all over the field. So where does he go? Haynes, I love him, but he's 6'2, 235. So I, again, you're talking about, you know, going against teams that are going to run it down your throat. A guy like Clowney's out there. And he's local and he's big and it's what he does really well. Uh, Melvin Ingram signed his tender. 
Uh, he's a, just a pure pass rusher. I don't know if they'll go that route. Trey Flowers, again, there's another name to look out for. Uh, yeah, they, they're going to have to take that. And even at linebacker, who who's to say that Wilson, who they signed, Damian, I believe it was Damian Wilson? Yeah, he, Damian he's got, Wilson. He's got a, a legal issue he's still dealing with, I believe. And I don't know what that's going to entail. Obviously, they don't have any problem with players that have issues. Brandon Smith, can he come in and, and make an impact early on? He's a really interesting rookie. Uh, Corey Littleton, I mean, you know, the tape is mixed there. He's a veteran. He had a good year with the Rams there a few years ago. But, you know, Raiders fans will tell you, oof. I mean, it's, there's questions there. So, Shaq is always, you know, pretty damn rock solid, but with not without flaws himself. I, I would just look at linebacker and say, here's what you got. You got uh, Kalon Tolson, Shaq Thompson, Julian Stanford, Brandon Smith, Kamal Martin, uh, Frankie LaVue, technically, Corey Littleton, uh, Isaiah Graham Mobley. I mean, you're, again, I'm just saying, you know, it's it's not easy. And one guy goes down and you're kind of left there with, uh, so, some depth issues. And I, I'd say this too, Billy, they're kind of holding on to the idea that they might have to go get a quarterback or they might want to, and they might eat some of Baker's salary or Jimmy's salary, mainly Jimmy, I would think. So I think once they come to a, a conclusion that they're, they're either going to do that or not going to do that, then you'll see some of that cap money get spent because they're sitting at 30 million right now, 10 of which will go to the rookies. Uh, you don't want to sit on that. You want to either use it for a quarterback you think can help you now or go grab a Jadavian Clowney who's still got some gas in the tank. Uh, Akeem Hicks is out there. I mean, you know, he's a dominant player. Anthony Barr. I mean, I don't know how you feel about him, but he's out there. So actually, can- I, to, to be honest, I actually feel fine with the linebackers. I, I think that they're competent enough. It's just the edge. Yeah. And maybe like one or two guys in the interior. Cause I, I do like Hyanitis like you as well, but they did lose Daquan Bowers, who was pretty solid for them. Never um, missed and, a snap. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Bowers and Ionitis, I think, are a little too different. Um, Ionitis is, I mean, he can do a two gapping, but he's more of a, of a, you know, one one gap penetrator up into the backfield. Yeah. Uh, he, he has a lot of length, so he can kind of use his length to lock out and, um, you know, kind of redirect offensive linemen. But, like another, like yeah, like Akeem Hicks would be like the ideal uh, player, but I'm not sure he's gonna. Uh, this situation will interest him. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what they want right now. I think they're pretty set with what they've got, but I would keep an eye on like Clowney maybe or another edge guy. Um, yeah, I mean they have a cap space yeah. too. They do. I mean, you could always use that cap space in a number of ways, but it, it kind of goes to waste if you don't. So maybe they use that for the Brian Burns extension and front load some, I don't know how they would go about doing that, but I, I don't get the sense that they're going to ignore Brian. I think they just want to make sure they take their time. And I think that's wise. Uh, he's a good player, but got to make sure they make the right move here. A lot of these moves coming up, you know, before you know it, we're going to be talking about Jeremy Chin and other guys getting their next contract. So uh, yeah, I mean, look at this guy. I don't know if I want to do a win prediction quite yet, but if I just take a quick glance at it, uh, maybe six, seven wins best. I, I just, uh, I'm not trying to be negative. I just, just where we're at. If they over exceed my expectations, good on them because I know they're hungry to win. And I think Matt rule, it wants to be here. I, I think he does. Uh, I don't know what David Tepper's expectations are. Sounds like he's being very patient. You also hear that he's not. So yeah, better start fast. I mean, just, you got a good schedule there early on. Go three and one, and then yeah. let's see what happens. If you go one and three, one and five, you go one and three, and then you're looking at San Francisco, L.A., Tampa. Woo-hoo. Oh, boy. 
Get that hot seat up. All right, let's close this out now with the rumor or report that surfaced the internet today that the Carolina Panthers are eyeing Sean Payton to be their next head coach. Um, The report from Michael McCarthy from FOS, Front Office Sports. Mm -hmm. I don't know what to make of this. I I don't have any reporting or sourcing. I've shared some thoughts with you personally, but I don't want to divulge that uh, private or publicly. I'm just speechless that that somehow this organization finds themselves in this type of situation where you have a head coach who's clearly on the hot seat, who needs to win games. We're talking about a schedule release day. And then this type of report comes out. I mean, it's just, it's never ending with this franchise. Is it? No, it's not. And here's where I'll start with it. And I I don't want to get too in depth because this is a very initial report, by the way, Michael McCarthy will join me on Friday on 104.9 Fox sports upstate uh, on the air. And we're going to talk at 4 PM Eastern about his article. And I'll be honest with you, I'm going to be a healthy skeptic with his work. Uh, I think he's more than credible. He's got a good following. He's got a good reputation. And he did not, in the report itself, seem to indicate that this was something that was imminent. He didn't throw anybody under the bus, but he was very clear in the lead here. The Carolina Panthers are eyeing the Super Bowl winning coach, Sean Payton, as a savior who can lead them back to the NFL playoffs and Super Bowl. Sources tell front office sports. The Panthers might be willing to wait a year while the former New Orleans Saints head coach recharges his batteries on TV. Matt Rule's currently entering the third season as the head coach of the Panthers. Sean Payton is 58 years old with uh, offers from Amazon and Fox Sports. Billy, here's what I'll say. Uh, I'll take two sides of this, okay? Uh, The side of it that says I'm a skeptic is, okay, it came out of nowhere. And uh, you've seen some people that cover the team sort of put a, I don't know about this kind of attitude towards it. Some more than others. Uh, I think Joe person, our good friend, uh, Nick Carboni and others have been fair in their reporting on this report. They've retweeted some of the lines of it'll cost a fortune, which we know. I don't think front office sports, which is a fairly reputable publication is in the business of fabricating news or putting stuff out for clicks. So I'm always defensive of reporters who get attacked by other reporters or just fans for putting something out that they're just trying to, to put out there. Joe person went through the same thing when he had the long article about the cultural issues with the Panthers and, and you know, Matt had said, I don't reply to un, unnamed sources. Well, that's kind of how it works in the business. So that, that's, that's reason to be skeptical. I, I would say this, uh, I don't know more when I talk to the author of the article tomorrow, Michael McCarthy, but he did raise some salient points about the fact that coaches, now whether it's Carolina or not, I, I don't know, but I think Sean will, like Bruce Arians did, take a year, do some TV, because I can tell you, I do TV. It's not nearly as stressful as being a head coach. I think he wants to coach again. And then, you know, at that point, D- David Tepper has the resources to make this happen. Uh, Does the draft pick compensation bother me a little bit? I mean, yeah, that's going to cost them if they want to make a deal for a guy that's still a rights. uh, The Saints have his rights, basically. But the cash portion of this should not be a problem. Uh, I'm a big Sean Payton fan. Now, the the Bounty Gate stuff, I know a lot of people hate the guy. 
but he's a savant when it comes to designing offenses and he's from the Bill Parcells tree and he's truly an NFL lifer. So I'm pumping the brakes on getting too excited about something like this for Panthers fans, but it, it can be another distraction once again. And, and I just there and blame the reporter all you want, but the fact that the team has continued to bury Matt rule behind the scenes, he's not public facing right now. He's not talking before the, the draft to the press, maybe after he is, but I'll, I'll just take this for what it is. It's, it's speculation. We've seen it over and over. Um, and we've also heard reports that Matt rule has had some interest in college jobs. So yeah, good luck managing this in the locker room. Once again, I mean, it's going to come up, I'm not blaming Matt for it, but it is what it is. Yeah. I, I think it's whoever's, again, I want to be careful. I understand the business. I understand journalism. I'm not blaming the reporter one bit. Let me just make that very clear. I think he has a job to do and he's, he's kind of, he's found information and he's heard information from obviously reliable sources that he feels comfortable enough to release this report, because this isn't a report that you just release or you hear, you talk to like two or three people who work like stadium security or something. Yeah. Sure. He's talking to someone because it's coming from front office sports. So clearly, I mean, there's some, excuse me, there's something being told from an editorial perspective too. The editor's not going to let that out the door. Uh, but with that outlet, I mean, maybe TMZ or something like that. But, you know, FOS, they're not going to say, oh, yeah, cut it loose. Let's go. What's your sourcing? Oh, it's janitor. <laughs> I mean, it's got to be well sourced. Now, it's just the, the aggravating it's, thing it's, to me. It's, it is aggravating. I get it. Well, let me just make my thoughts clear on this. I, I'm, I'm with you. Yes, Sean Payton represents a massive upgrade in coaching and culture uh, for this organization. So I wouldn't, I would never say no to Sean Payton as a head coach. My issue though, it, it has, has nothing to do with him personally. It has to do with one, why this report is being leaked, you know, in May. Okay. Number two, it has to deal with the fact that this organization, they, they just, they can't get out of, the, out of their own way. I mean, it's going to cost a ton of draft picks to trade for a head coach who still that the your divisional rival has the rights to. It's going to cost you at least your first and your second round pick and maybe another first round pick in the future. You don't even have enough. I mean, this team could be looking at a top five pick in 2022 if their schedule doesn't if they don't win enough games. I mean, I'm sorry, but that's just a reality of their situation right now. So. I don't get it. And you're already down a third round pick because you traded up to get Matt Corral. The, again, I have no problem pursuing Sean Payton, but to me, the cost is going to come at a premium because he's with the division rival. Uh, And number two, I just don't like the timing of when this is being revealed. And I don't think it's, and again, we're hard on Matt for obvious reasons. I don't think it's fair to him. I don't think it's fair to any of the coaching staff they have to read this type of report, you know, when they have rookie minicamp this weekend, they have OTAs and regular minicamp and they have, you know, a month and a half off before training camp. It's not fair to them. It's not fair to the players either. Somebody, somebody needs to be held accountable for that. And it's certainly not the reporter. No, again, I'm not, I'm not blaming the reporter. I just want to say, but I I think I share your frustration. A guy like Steve Wilkes, guy like James Campen, Ben McAdoo, they're trying to get their operation rolling. Not to mention some of the veteran players who've just, I'm I'm sure they've been very pleasant about this entire rebuild. 
but I'm sure some of them are just sick as shit of the drama. And when Tepper came out there in the presser pre-draft, okay, good to hear from him. But once again, full-throated endorsement of Matt Rule when he went months without speaking Matt Rule's name, leaving us all dangling as to what was going to happen. Florio, I mean, look, he made a good point. He followed up on McCarthy's article and said, uh, this is the, the Panthers released a statement, by the way, and I saw it earlier. It came out, quote, we would not talk to or consider a coach who's under contract with another team, the team said. And Florio said, current Panthers head coach Matt, Krul, Matt Rule may have preferred something more along the lines of, quote, we have a coach. So <laughs> I get it's a formal PR statement, and they're just they're talking, you know, legalese there. But I, I don't know, man. Look, it, it, it's we're, we're miles away from this being something that's realistic. If you look back at the John Gruden trade, that was expensive. Uh, did it pay off? I mean, you could say yes, but at the same time, he fizzled out. I don't know, man. It's it's interesting. It was two first rounders, two second rounders, and eight million dollars from the Bucks to get John Gruden. That was back in uh, what twenty oh one, twenty oh two. So, yeah, just remember, it's like you said, it's going to be expensive, especially with leverage. It's a divisional thing. I just I, Mickey Loomis. I'm not sure if he's going to want any part of seeing Sean Payton on the Panthers sideline. And it's just like it's the same thing with the Deshaun Watson stuff where. Like you, you put your eggs into these type of baskets and you're dreaming big and you're all this, you're ambitious and all this stuff and you go for it. And then when it doesn't happen, then you leave, leave a fan base very frustrated and asking questions about your entire operation. Um, I mean, that's, that's going to be the situation because you're, I'm telling you right now, it's not going to be cheap to trade for him. And if you did trade for him and you gave up all those assets, how are you going to improve your football team, most notably at the quarterback position? So to me right now, John, it's a situation um, that it's really unfortunate because it's unfortunate for the coaches. I would even say it's unfortunate for the fans because they don't need to be hearing these type of rumors in May. Again, I full respect for the reporter I, I, he's doing his job i have no issue with him whatsoever uh, reporting it I, I just think it's it's really just another example of this organization not being able to get out of their own way whether it's you know team presidents resigning after a few months or this practice facility not being built oh right and what you've got everything now, is just bad it's bad it's all it's a bad optic and you're stuck again and I'll say it, I'll be the one to say it. You're, you're at inherent strategic disadvantage, no matter how many great assistants you had with a coach that's still learning how to be an NFL coach and being paid handsomely to do it. And that speaks to judgment. So once again, you got guys like Nick Underhill and Lauren Brownlow and good reporters I follow retweeting this article. And they're not saying, oh, this is bullshit. This is not happening. They, like, Underhill says division rival. If the Saints want to trade, if Peyton wants to go to Carolina, it's going to cost a whole lot. He didn't say, oh, there's nothing to it. So, I mean, you, know, you hear things. Uh, you're, not, you're, you're not going to see reputable reporters right now step in. I've, I've seen a couple, I think, that are very close with the Panthers, and they try to keep a good relationship. <laughs> They're not part of our club here, Billy. But I, I think you get a, a little bit of an aggressive tone with them in terms of, oh, there's no way. Like Amy Just writes for the Times-Picayune. The Saints still retain Sean Payton's rights, so Carolina's reported interest means zilch if the Saints don't want to tango with a division opponent. She didn't come out and say, oh, this report's bogus. So again, I'm not saying there's smoke or fire here. It's a report. It's from a verifiable account, and I've seen Michael's work. It's good. And the, the, the outlet he works for does good work. So somebody leaked this out. 
somebody broke yeah. his ass. It's just bad. It's bad, bad, bad. And uh, <laughs> I'm I'm speaking when I saw it. I was on the air, Billy. I was we get a break at the top of the hour on Fox Sports and Richmond. My co-host had showed me the. Uh, Shot, but I was like, "Oh my God, Jesus! You got to be kidding me! This again!" So we'll wait to see again. We don't want to be hysterical about it, but like I said, on Friday, 4 p.m. If you got some time, uh, go to iHeartRadio's app, look up Fox Sports Upstate, and the author of this article uh, will join me on the show for a good 20 minutes, and, and we'll get to the bottom of it. Yeah, and again. I have no issue with the reporting. Uh, you know, that stuff has to come out for a reason. I think Sean Payton would be a tremendous head coach no matter where he goes, whether it's Carolina, whether he goes back to New Orleans, or whether he's, I don't know, in Seattle, or I'm just making stuff up. Uh, but that's just my take on it. Again, I I think that this organization, they always try to strive for, you know, the hot, shiny object, and they're – they leave their fans uh, you know, disappointed because they don't hit those benchmarks. And it's, it's really frustrating because, yeah. um, you know, a lot of people, they just, they just want to see a functioning football team and see Matt, wins and Matt losses. Rule, Matt Rule was the shiny object, Billy. I mean, yeah. I mean, again, but I, I think, again, we can roll rail on rule all we want. I don't I'm think not, it's fair to I, I, I'm not railing on rule. I'm, I'm, I'm actually looking at this and saying, you know what? I don't even know if David's interested in Sean Payton. That's the report. But we got to remember, this speaks to judgment once again of this owner. And I've, I've heard guys like Pat Kerwin say, and he's worked in the front office, that these owners, they take time to learn how to own. And Dave's going through this. So I just, maybe just, we've said this over and over, just slow down for a minute. Maybe just start Sam for one more year. Maybe stop mortgaging everything. And just see what you got, and let Matt coach and not run the front office. Just try that for one year. Again, maybe stay healthy. <laughs> I mean, all all those stuff are fair, and I agree with them. My issue is just this report. And again, I, I want to defend Matt in this instance. He's been um, he's been, had a fine off season. He hasn't done anything dumb. I mean, I know we can make fun of some of his. You know, clips at press conferences, uh, not even press conferences, it's, it's speeches year, at the really. clinics. It's, it's, it's it is year. what it is. I'm not, I'm not, year. I'm not railing on that. I'm just saying, I'm like, either. I don't think it's fair to him and his staff and even the players or even the people that are working inside that building to see this report on May 12th, 2022, four months before a preseason or an NFL game gets kicked off. No, it's not fair. It's, it's, it's just, it's ridiculous. And again, I think the cut coach deserves a little better in this type of situation, no matter what we think of his job standing. And again, I personally, I'm not, I haven't done a prediction on the record. I know you predicted six or seven wins. I'm going to well, tend- tentative, tentatively. Let, let's be careful now. I've got to really look at this deeper later, but yeah, maybe five, six, seven wins. I'm not in a position to uh, make any judgments right now. I, I want to study it a little more in depth for a couple of weeks before I give like a final verdict on the wins and losses. Um, but for me, I just, I just don't want any more distractions. Okay. You know what? Sometimes stuff happens where you have a Damian Wilson situation. You have a player that gets in trouble and that happens throughout the league. Okay. Jerry Judy happened with Denver. Uh, unfortunately, NFL players, they run into trouble. That's just, you know, a, a common occurrence and yeah. you can't keep, you know, every single player and there's 90 man rosters across the league right now. You're not going to be able to keep them all out of trouble. So it's going to happen. If that happened, do you know what? Fine. You know, my issue is just the self-inflicted PR wounds that this organization consistently um, you know, ties themselves to. And this is another one because, again, it can seem flashy and very ambitious on May 12th. 
But when you don't deliver it, it's number one, or when you're do deliver it, but you're down a whole lot of a draft picks and you're starting Sam Darnold or whoever at quarterback in 2023, then you have no one but yourself to blame. And that's just my entire thing. I wish the coaches that are currently on staff, Matt Rule, Ben McAdoo, Steve Wilkes, Phil Snow, James Campman, you know, all those guys. I wish them luck because I hope that they can do their job without distraction too, because that's what we all want here is for this organization to win games. We don't want the of negative course. PR that pops up. Oh, I don't blame practice facilities. No. And yeah. I mean, look, this presidents is, leaving. This is not Matt rules fault, but this is part of the job and you don't want to see it. I mean, Ron went through this when Rappaport, I think he was the one that said, David hey, could be a trade to trade Ron Rivera to the Rams. Remember that report? And, yeah, the Richardson stuff, that was a distraction. He held his own. I mean, he had to be the voice of the franchise. So, look, when you're paid the big money, you've, you've got to be able to withstand this type of stuff. But, no, it's not fair. And, no, I don't think Matt's camp – why would Matt's camp be a part of this? This is probably coming from Sean's people or, or presumably somebody with loose lips around the Panthers. Um, or, or, or you can just say what other people are saying. Oh, this guy's just making it up for clicks. I mean, that's – that's not you and me talking. That's the other people out there that have no concept of what this is. It can be a distraction. It, it also could be a situation where in a week, nobody's thinking about it. So we'll see if it gains some legs. Uh, I've said this all along. It's a new year. Look, I mean, we can make fun of the pressers all day long. And that's just comic relief. I mean, that, you know, I don't, I don't give a crap about, you know, the fact that he's in a press conference or not, whatever. But just do your job. Get the job done. Start moving forward as an operation here because... I'm, I'm tired of doing this show with you. I'm not with you personally, but every week. And it's the same theme. It's like, well, there's just a, a infinite amount of years ahead of us that we're rebuilding with some pie in the sky promise that there's sustained success at the end of the rainbow. Uh, the owner has got to take control and get ahead of things and, and stop making a mess of everything. And he's got the resources to do it. Just, Get 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 a hold of this thing, man, and make the football team what it needs. I, I love what they've done with their staff. Like I said, you've said the same thing. Let's see if Matt can do it now. Yeah, and that's just my feel. I, I know some fans might be excited by the news, and you know, more credit to them. I, I just wanted to give out my own opinion on the on this report that came out. And, well said. Uh, you know, it is what it is at this point. So. Uh, for the team, they have r- rookie minicamp, I believe, this week. It seems, seems like the rookies are signing their contracts, too, which, uh, I mean, isn't really an issue. Uh, that probably was an issue pre-2011 CBA. Um, so, uh, yeah, it will be interesting to see the reports, uh, see if there's any, you know, especially undrafted free agent guys who stand out uh, in one way or the other. Um, you know, Matt Corral, I think he should be participating. So, uh, you the beat writers and the guys who cover the team, uh, they should have a good look at these guys. And maybe we'll see some you know, Twitter reports from our good friends who um, do cover it. And then, yeah, after that, they have the OTA practices, and that leads up to the mandatory mini camp in June. Um, and then after the mandatory mini camp, uh, they take about a month and a half off and back to Spartanburg, I believe, this year uh, where they're going to hold their training camp. And, uh, oh, yeah, one more thing. They do host three preseason games, um, Washington, Buffalo, and New England. No Steelers. 
<laughs> wow. I think that's because they play the Steelers in the regular season. Yeah. Well, they've done that before, but they've always had, but they get this three game slate now. So my goodness, this is history in the making, Billy. No more <laughs> Steelers preseason finale where some unnamed running back like artist Payne runs for 500 yards. Uh, yeah, it's going to be uh, Washington and then uh, New England. Uh, look out uh, at New England. Look out for the turf. <laughs> Never yeah, I do think it's uh, joint practices too. I believe. Yeah, yeah, with Bill, that that should be interesting. Good, good for Matt to get uh, get with Bill. That, that should help his development. But no, to your point, uh, just to back back track on that story before we close out. I'm with you. I I don't like distractions because I'm more of a guy that's like, hey, I'm not here to raise hell for the sake of it. I'm here to try to analyze this team. And I I think this will continue to be one of those things. It's just like, oh, man, Matt's got to be asking questions now. Like, where do I stand? What's going on? So they've got to handle that. I'm sure they'll be responsible enough to get together. Scott Fitterer's got bigger roles right now than he used to. A bigger voice. I like that. Um, But Matt Coach... He hasn't been a full exclusive coach yet. He's been dabbling in the offense. He's been dabbling in roster development, uh, sports science, all this stuff. Just let him coach and learn how to be good at this. He can do it. Um, it takes time, as he says. And, and I don't know how long he's going to get, but uh, it, it's time to start showing some progress. So just go do it. And, uh, again, thank you, everyone, for joining us for another episode. Be sure to check out John's episode with Greg Cosell. They do a really excellent job of breaking down Carolina's 2022 draft class. And Greg always brings tremendous insights and analysis into his discussion. So uh, we'll be on the lookout and we'll continue to produce episodes. Uh, We should have a couple really special guests for you in the next uh, week or two. And yeah, as we move forward through this off season, it's going to be a little slower with the news. Hopefully we have to see these type of reports every week. Uh, But thank you again for joining and we'll see you next time.